everybody. You're listening to the M&P Podcast with your hosts, Doyle. Doyle Rule. And Jeff. My name is Jeff. Countdown, it starts. I can see my green. What about yours? Hello there, people oh, of yeah. the land. I'm coming in hot. All right, we're good. I am Umbrella Man. All right. You ready? I am ready. Hey, welcome to episode five of the M&P podcast, the only Flyers podcast that shut down and restarted without a GoFundMe. Hey, Doyle, how you doing? <laughs> Still upset about that, huh? Not upset about it, just annoyed. <laughs> just annoyed. <laughs> Paid for this endeavor out of her own pockets. Our tens I think and you're tens just of- upset that you didn't think of starting a GoFundMe. Well, <laughs> I didn't didn't start a GoFundMe because we know the outcome, right? I'm going to get that whole thing. We'll get 50 bucks. GoFundMe will take 20% of it. We'll walk away with $30. <laughs> that could have paid for our hosting. That's true. God knows. Drew would be like, oh, hosting was so much money. It's one of the reasons I want to quit this podcast. The other thing is because I hate you guys and the team and my comedy career is getting too big and I'm too good for all of you. <laughs> Remember when he said that to us? Fucking, he's the worst. Oh, God. I keep trying to get him to come on. I'm like, dude, just you just pop in. Like, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, I don't wanna. I haven't even watched any games. And I was like, fun fact, I don't either. So <laughs> we're just gonna end the Broad Street Bully podcast, start this podcast, and then bring Drew back on without going back to the Broad Street Bully podcast. Just never reference that he's back. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's like I told him we we bring him back, but it's like uh, from Beer Fest with uh, with Landfill and Landfill's oh, brother. Yeah. Uh, my name's Gil, but you know what? I think just for solidarity, you call me Landfill too. <laughs> <laughs> and that would be it. We'd be off and running. But uh, it's been a fun week of Flyers hockey. Uh, the Flyers lost a bunch of games in overtime. They are now on a three-game losing streak. And according to past reports, they're only seven losses away from. Chuck turning on the heated seats in his office. The heated seats in his very nice Bugatti that he probably owns because he's a rich individual. So I I guess this was like the official report, right? That the 10-game losing streak, Chuck Fletcher was on kind of the hot seat. Yeah, they were like reconsidering when they lost 10 games in a row. Right. But then... But then the Flyers beat, like, three of the worst teams in the league, and all of a sudden the the hockey ops department was like, hold on a second here. I think we got something. Well, they went on the <laughs> let West. Co- let them cook. <laughs> they went on the West Coast road trip, a road trip they historically always come out negative in and won all the games. So that seems like a good reason not to fire a GM. Yeah. Yeah, the, I, I don't think – it's not a good sign when you're – front office is taking a 10 game losing streak and coming out of it to you know be hot or cold and that's the decision on if this general manager is fit for his job or not i am still chuck fletcher has tried everything he can and i don't necessarily think that he's the worst gm in the world but literally everything he's tried has failed so i don't know why they're so tied to him uh yeah, still i mean this will be this will be, what, four out of the five years that he's been the GM, they haven't made the playoffs? I mean, so, I mean, how much more of a leash does he get? Hextall didn't even get that long of a leash, and he at least 
at the time uh, was credited for stocking the pipeline with talent. Now, none of that talent panned out, um, of course. Most of it didn't yeah. pan out. But at Which least Hextall was... my next point is I do not ever want to get excited for prospects ever again. I think like every prospect report I read now, I'm just like roll my eyes at just like ugh, whatever. I really uh, let him get to the NHL, then I'll be happy. Not to jump to a new topic, but uh, Charlie put out his uh, trade TK article this week. I don't know if uh-huh. if you have you seen this. Hey, anybody seen this? Anybody read it? And. Uh, so he thinks that like the team would be better suited now, acknowledging that they need to rebuild and that they need to trade TK to start it and kind of like send a message. But at the same time, why would you let Chuck Fletcher do that when literally Chuck Fletcher yeah, has held yeah. the Flyers through obscurity for four years and made them yeah, arguably exactly. worse than when he started? If you want to trade TK and start like a full rebuild, like you just dump Ivan Provorov, TK, Kevin Hayes, JVR, Braun at the deadline, every other like one year contract and like figure out who you want to keep and who you don't want to keep to really like restart a rebuild. That's fine. But Chuck Fletcher does not need to be the guy who is in charge of it. And he's, he's already proven his trade prowess is not great. No. Um, gave up picks to get rid of Gostas Bear, gave up picks to get Ristolainen. Gave up even more picks to get D'Angelo. Give it, gave up picks to get D'Angelo. This apparently is the draft where you want to have a lot of picks. Now they're scrambling to get picks because they gave too many away. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. I wouldn't trust Chuck Fletcher to... If the Flyers... What it sounds like is, right, they're starting to lean into this. We're going to have to rebuild, right? I think that's yeah. It's finally where they're they're going and, and they're acknowledging. And I think that once they fully lean into it, if they let Chuck Fletcher stay, then they're stupider than we give them credit for. Well, that's what I like. Even even going into this off season, like when you know, like you knew that they didn't really have the cap space, but then you know the front office's message was, "We're gonna like, what was it? Blank check. We're gonna." aggressively retool and then just did absolutely none of that um and then you know and then it was like we talked about it it was like wow this is legitimately going to be like an unintentional tank like they think they're good but they're going to be bad and then end up worse off than they are like by accident and we thought chuck fletcher was doing that on purpose it turns out chuck fletcher just has no fucking idea what he's doing in general (laughs) <laughs> I think right, it's funny too because I feel like, uh, like right now, like if if you're if you had to guess, I think Chuck Fletcher and John Tortorella, especially because you know the the whole story was uh, Chuck Fletcher did not want John Tortorella as the coach of this team. Um, I feel like they probably. Do you think like Chuck Fletcher just like runs away anytime like Tortorella comes in and starts like trying to talk to him and demand <laughs> shit from him? Tortorella walks in the room and Chuck's like, "Oh, I just have to, I gotta return some videotapes, so I gotta leave." Yeah, yeah, I, I gotta go to the bathroom. I think it's, I don't know if it's pretty apparent. It seems pretty apparent from the outside. Now I haven't been, you know, down to the bowels of the stadium talking to all the players as a team, but uh, it sounds like John Tortorella <laughs> and Chuck Fletcher are not friends. Yeah, it sounds like the Flyers ownership was like, we're going to hire this firm to um, find a new coach. Chuck Fletcher, how do you feel about this? And Chuck Fletcher said, angry. 
<laughs> so yeah, I don't think Chuck Fletcher wanted John Tortorella. I don't think they're friends. And that's been pretty apparent by every time Chuck Fletcher says something like we're aggressively yeah. retooling. Uh, John Tortorella goes, no, this is a tank. We're uh, we're yeah. we're bottoming out right now. We're re we're rebuilding right now. John, he probably also like says when somebody brought up John Tortorella, he stinks, and I don't like him. Oh, you mean? Hold on, here's the quote. He stinks, and I don't like him. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so obviously, it's going to be interesting because, you know, John Tortorella doesn't isn't someone who's just going to sit to the side and, you know, let the GM do whatever. Like, I feel like he's going to be in that GM's ear constantly. Like, you better fucking give me what I need to make this team better. Well, also, I mean, it's not... It sounds like the team, the ownership group, didn't trust Chuck Fletcher to hire a coach, which is why they went with a third party. I guess because they let him do it with Vigneault, and, and then you saw how that turned out in the end. Um, yeah, and then, they, then he didn't want to fire him. So clearly, it sounds like ownership likes Tortorella, I guess, is happy with the job he's doing. So really, like, Chuck Fletcher is kind of backed into a corner now where he either has to deal with it or just quit or get fired. But I feel like it'll be one of those things where, like, Dave Scott's like, uh, Chuck, why don't you come by my office on Friday at uh, to 2.30? We're going to talk about some stuff. And Chuck's like, no, I quit. Goodbye. <laughs> you, you can't fire me. I quit. I feel like... I feel like Dave Scott, like, just doesn't know anything about hockey and, like, doesn't pay attention to it at all. And he's kind of like the – who's the king in the Lord of the Rings where he's just, like, the really the really old guy? You are asking the wrong question. Like... I know Gandalf and uh, Smeagol. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Jeff. Precious. Well, regardless, there's yeah. a king in I, – I, I don't even remember which Lord of the Rings it is. It's the second one, but he's got, like, one of uh, Saruman's guys – talking into his ear the whole time theoden feeding him a bunch of bullshit is it theoden let me see i need a picture jeff i typed i don't know any of the names i typed old king from lord of the rings into google so that's my starting point right <laughs> yes that is the guy yeah oh, okay so theoden it is yeah yeah he's uh he looks like the kind of guy that would be friends with chuck fletcher no he would be that would be Dave Scott. Son of Thangle and Morwen Steelsheen was the 17th king of mm -hmm. Rohan. Last of the second line of the royal house of Oral. Yeah, I know. That's, that, that's yeah. Hmm, under a spell. Look at that. Anyway, yeah, I don't yeah, know. See? I don't, like... So that's how, like, I feel like Dave Scott is under the spell of all of the hockey advisors <laughs> well, who the... are just saying, we're doing, we're doing a great job uh, here, not really... And he doesn't really pay attention to anything right. and that's I think, actually happening. I think that was... That's, like, a big difference between when Ed Snyder owned the team and when, and when like, corporate entities owned the team. It's that Ed Snyder only focused... His only concern was really the Flyers. And, like, yeah, Dave he Scott... Yeah, the Sixers and didn't give a shit about them. And, like, Dave Scott has so much other stuff going on that, like, he's just trusting his hockey operations uh, people and his senior advisors... The only problem is, as Crossing Broad pointed out this week, is that the Flyers hockey operations people and senior advisors have just been incestuously blowing each other for 40 <laughs> years. <laughs> I know. This is quite the timeline. And we don't have to go through all of it, but it is just, like, hilarious that, you know, it's literally goes back to, like, the 60s. 
Yeah, the Flyers were around for is it wasn't sixty seven their inaugural year or what one of their inaugural years or Yeah, I think that was their first season. So like that's that's it starts with Bud Poyle and Bud Poyle drafting Bobby Clark in sixty nine. And then it's this this weave sixty nine this, <laughs> this weaved web <laughs> all the way through of just friends hiring friends and people hiring people they used to work with. Coaches yeah, it's getting like, fired. I used to work with your dad, so now I'm going to hire his son. It's, I mean, listen, we knew. A lot of knew. nepotism going on here. Well, like, we knew that was the thing when we started this podcast. It was, like, very apparent that, like, Paul Holmgren and Bob Clark were poking their nose around. But when they, when, uh, who was this? Was it Aunt, Aunt San? Yeah. Yeah, when Aunt San went through and, like, put the timeline in writing, you're like, oh, God. <laughs> like, the Flyers are the worst. Yeah, I mean, it it probably happens, like, I wouldn't be surprised if this happens more more often around the league, but it is funny that it's just, like, you know, a 50-year thing, basically, of just all these different people who have ties to all different people from the past. Like, I didn't even realize Dean Lombardi served any sort of job in Philadelphia before... Uh, he came as like a special advisor. I thought he just came over because him and Hextall worked together in LA. LA. Yeah, that's what I thought too. He was too. doing him a favor. Yeah, so apparently he worked for the Flyers like way back when too. And I was like, Jesus Christ, when does it end? Well, it's all like, I, so this week the Canucks, like the worst kept secret in the world, fired Boudreaux and hired Rick Tockett. Oh yeah, that was an absolute, that was like Flyers level mishandling yeah, the situation. Yeah, so that's a dumpster fire, and you're like, if you really hate the coach that much, why would you fire that coach who has a better success record with teams and hire a guy who is arguably worse than Bruce, Bruce Boudreaux <laughs> uh, to be the coach of your team? Mid-season, too. Like, Rick, I let nothing against, and nothing they, against like, Rick Tockett. dragged Tocque. it on for weeks. Yeah, nothing against Rick Tockett, but like, I... You're telling me we're going to fire Bruce Boudreaux and install Rick Tockett. My first question is, why? And my second statement is, that's fucking stupid. <laughs> well, the Canucks are pretty much like the Western Conference Flyers at this point. I agree, but I still just... With more, I, I guess with more talent. And like Rick Tockett also, not like he was sitting around doing nothing. He was like, hey, TNT, guess what? <laughs> I quit. <laughs> Dude, did you see the one interview after like the second game that he coached for the Canucks? Like somebody asked him a question, he like couldn't even form a sentence, and everybody was like, "This is how bad it is in the Canucks locker room right now." Yeah, I honestly don't know if it like did they hire Tockett? I don't follow the Canucks enough, and I don't. You might not either. So we'll have to get our thousands of Canucks fans that listen. But I wonder if they're trying to yeah. like John Tortorella the locker room by hiring uh, mean Rick Tockett. Yeah, I mean, it's possible. I know, it, like, this is another one that's, like, kind of so just going on this whole timeline thing. Like, him and Jim Rutherford are boys. And Jim Rutherford's not even the GM. He's, like, above the GM. Like, the like I don't even know, the president of Hockey Ops or whatever that title is. But him and – he was in uh, Pittsburgh when Tockett was a coach in Pittsburgh. So that's how they're tied together. Yes. So it's, like, you know, kind of the same thing that's, like, we're, I'm just going to hire this guy because I know him and think he can like think he can do like a good job. However, I think Jim Rutherford, yeah, Jim Rutherford uh, had a hand in building the Hurricanes 
that won the Stanley yeah, Cup in 2006 yeah. and the Penguins that won the Stanley Cup in 16 and 17. So at least Jim Rutherford has like a winning pedigree. But to for him to be like, all right, we're going to fire Bruce, Bruce Boudreaux, who has like a pretty good coaching record. Did he ever did he win the Stanley Cup with the Caps or was he fired by then? I think he might have been. I don't think he's ever won the Stanley Cup, but he's been a like perennial playoff coach usually. All right. Well, then to well either way, to fire Bruce, Bruce Boudreaux and then bring in very unsuccessful head coach Rick Tockett to turn around your floundering franchise seems stupid. Yeah, I think that well, and the other thing was Bruce Boudreaux did like a bunch of interviews and he thought that he was going to get fired in like November. And that's what I mean. They like dragged it on forever and like he met with Rutherford a bunch of times and uh I don't know, it was just all handled terribly. Yeah. Well, it's nice to see that other teams ownership is just as incompetent as the Flyers. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, you think you think you have it bad, and then you see something else, and you're like, "Oh yeah, well, right. that's why it's bad." But it's not. Yeah, that's the worst. why I was joking like a couple weeks ago. I was like, "Who on the Canucks roster can like the Flyers just swap players with because both of their franchises are run terribly at the like this moment in time?" I wouldn't mind a little Brock Besser action if he's uh if he's up, if he's on Brock the move. Brock Besser, Elias. I'd take Elias Pettersson. Yeah, right that wrong that Hextall did. Somebody, I yeah. forget who it was, Dr. Evil Gritty maybe, posted uh, the Flyers' first-round picks from 2017 and then posted the Stars' first-round picks from 2017. And it was yeah. the Stars picked, like, one spot after the Flyers in the first... Like, their first-round picks were, like, three and whatever, 23 or what, And the Flyers were three, one before. Three twenty-six. It was like 326 and 39, and then the Flyers were 227 and like 36 or something like and that. And then the Flyers ended up with Morgan Frost, Nolan Patrick, Nolan and Isaac Patrick. Ratcliffe. And then the yeah. Stars got uh, what, Heiskanen, Heiskanen, Robertson, Ottinger, and Ottinger. And, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like, granted, the Flyers were never going to get the guy that was picked first, but like, it just goes to show you. Like, Hextall whiffed so hard. Yeah, that's just like that. Just the the Nolan Patrick pick alone and that not working out has set the Flyers franchise back, like, very far. It would have been such a... It would have... Well, so you either have Heiskanen, who's like a the defenseman that everyone thought Provorov was going to become, or you would have had Pedersen, who... Or Makar. Or Makar. All right, so Makar and, and Heiskanen shore up your defensive pairs. Or you have uh, Pedersen, who becomes like the winger that plays with Giroux and is good. Yeah. And instead, well, the Flyers got a guy with brain boo-boos. Yeah, and then, according to Bobby Clark, their scouts were all pounding the table for Kale McCarr. Which makes sense, seeing it's how he so played. It's funny that he he did that last year, just like scorched earth on Hextall's tenure as the GM of the Flyers. I mean, it sounded for. <laughs> Remember when Hextall got fired, and then he was like, "I'm holding a press conference in the hotel," and we're like, yeah, "Wow, I'm holding the press conference across the street from yeah. the skate zone." And we're like, "That's weird that the team would let him do a press conference." And then it was like, "Oh, this isn't this isn't run by the team. This is like Ron rented yeah, out the is... room at the at the Ramada, and <laughs> told everybody to come hang out." Yeah, that that was him, like just. Say just going against like everything that was released basically like that's a bunch of <laughs> bullshit none of that happened <laughs> thank you for coming if you uh, look over to your left there's a continental breakfast so if you'd like some danish or bagels help yourself 
my scorched earth or my my scorched yeah. earth. Uh, I'm gonna pound the I'm gonna pound the podium for a little bit while I angrily talk about how I've been betrayed. Yeah. Is everybody full? Great. Fuck the Flyers and their ownership. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna go GM the Penguins. Yeah, well, the Penguins learned their lesson. They hired Brian Burke to kind of reel Hextall in, which is smart. I feel like somebody should have did is. that here. And if they tried to, well, and Hextall just ignored him, um, then Well, impressive. Anthony, I think in his article, says something about like that situation where it was like, it was actually kind of a funny thing where uh, the the way that like the Flyers, like hockey ops with all of like the, you know, like Clark and Holmgren and all of them together, like... I guess Hextall was going against the grain by like not keeping people in the loop with stuff and, you know, trying to keep everything in a very close knit circle. And like that rubbed a lot of those guys the wrong way, which was another reason why they were like, yeah, you're, you're done. But that was what I, so I, everybody now is like, man, Hextall sucked. But at the time that was like a breath of fresh air. Because, yeah, exactly, because they were doing something different. Yes, because the team, like, everybody was like, I can't believe that they do the same thing over and over. Then Hexall shows up, and he's like, I'm going to draft well. I'm going to, you know, keep everything close. We're not going to say we want to trade people. And everybody was like, well, this is this is reassuring and great. And then it just, because Hextall, nothing he did uh, prospect-wise really panned out, and he couldn't make an NHL trade to save his dick. Uh, everybody hates yeah, him. Or, or contract signing. <laughs> yes, everyone hates him now. And they look so back like in his every time. aspect of GMing except for his overall plan was not good. He was really just, he's like a, so when I used to buy NHL, what would happen was I would fire up, be a GM. I would uh, start a franchise, like, you know, just fantasy draft or whatever, and then just start making <laughs> trades. Fire entire front office. Start making trades. You build this whole roster, and then you play like four games. I would play four games, and I'd be like, I want to go back to the building part. And then you just start a new franchise and you do a new fantasy draft. And you, like that, that's what Hextall liked. He liked tinkering. He liked draft picks. But like when it came to, they were like, Ron, we need something on the ice. And he's like, no, my trains get out of my room. Like, <laughs> I'm just gathering draft picks. Go away. Yeah. Which is why like the penguins were smart for bringing in Brian Burke. Cause Brian Burke was like, nah, we need to like go get NHL players. And Ron's like, uh, and Brian's like, Ron, just sitting here with the lights off. And tinker with your, uh, put your blocks in order, and I'll handle it. <laughs> and then yeah, the Flyers got Chuck Fletcher, and Chuck Fletcher can't do anything. Uh, so he's not, <laughs> he's not good at drafting. He's not good at signing contracts. He's not good at evaluating talent. But his they job's can, safe as like, long as they don't go on any more ten game losing streaks. I mean, I think he's drafted decent. I don't think he's, you know. I mean, it's kind of hard to tell if he's hit any, like, clear home runs yet. But, like, Cam York's looked better. Um, I mean, that's what, that was, like, the first draft that he really had. I don't even, like, know, like, who's really in the prospects of his draft classes. I know, like... Well, let's see. Fansided has analyzing Chuck Fletcher's draft history written seven months ago. And it starts with the Wild of 2019. So he picked Nick That's Letty. 2000. 2009, sorry. I'm dyslexic. Not great at reading. Um, 16th Apparently. pick, Wild chose Nick Letty. Uh, he could have picked Chris Kreider or Kyle Palmieri. So, like, that's fine. Nick Letty is, a, like, a top defenseman, right? 
Yeah, he's still, I think he's still on the blues, so. Yeah, and then his late round picks that year were Darcy Kemper and Eric Halla. So, okay, I mean, Halla's not blowing the world apart, but he's good. And I think Kemper now is, he won the Stanley Cup last Kemper year with the Abs? starter. Yeah, and he's the starter in yeah. Washington right now. All right, so 2010, he picked Michael Granlund. Uh, sk- <laughs> he picked Michael Granlund, but skipped over Tarasenko and Kuznetsov, so <laughs> that's rough. Uh, and then his late round picks were some guy named Brett Bulmer, Johan Larson, and Jason Zucker. Jason Zucker, of course, uh, I think just playing for the Penguins, right? Yeah, he's he was good. Okay, so that's good. So that's one for four there, I guess. Or is Michael Granlin good? I don't know if he's good. Uh, he's pretty good. He was like a 60-point player. I don't know about now, ever since he was traded to uh, Nashville. All right, 2011, Fletcher chooses Jonas Brodeen, who's still with the Wild. Uh, so he's that's... apparently a very good shutdown defenseman. Yes, and he chose uh, Zach Phillips at 28, who had never played in the NHL, instead of picking Richard Raquel or Nikita Kucherov. And of his other picks, uh, one of them was Nick Sealer. So there you go. Another uh, NHL top pair defenseman, Nick Sealer. This is so hard to like go back, though, because you could do this with literally anybody. Oh, I know. I just, like, so 2012, he picked Matt Dumbutt, so Matt Dumbutt's good. <laughs> Matt Dumbutt. Uh, 2013, what, Pominville, or they traded Pominville and didn't have a first-round pick. Nobody from, from that draft was any good. 2014, they got Tuck, but then they sent him to the Golden Knights. Uh, to yeah, avoid having great. players stolen, and I think the Knights did it anyway. Uh, 2015, Erickson Eck, who I think is still with the Wild, right? Yeah, he's one of their best centers right now. 2016, it was Luke Coonan, some guy I've never heard of. In 2017, nobody, Mason Shaw in the late rounds. So, all right, and then for the Flyers, we have 2019, Cam York. And Bobby Brink in the same year. So Bobby Bobby Brink is back from hip injury, going to crack yeah, the lineup Bobby soon. Yeah, Bobby Brink is. Yeah, he's a uh, like you know, and that's the problem. The Flyers have a ton of like middle six like projected forwards. Yeah, which like Bobby Brink's like a good like supposedly his ceiling's like a good. Uh, he's like a good third line, like maybe second line forward. Yeah, twenty twenty. You have uh, Tyson Forster, of course. And uh, Emil Andre, who I've seen actual highlights from the Swedish league. And then Zade Wisdom in the fourth round. And then 2021, they didn't have a first round pick because they signed Ristolainen, but they got Samu Tuamala in the second round. So And that has not been working out so far. No, he hasn't been great. So, uh, so Chuck Fletcher's drafts overall with but the Flyers. Back up to that. What's up? The So the 2021 as well, they signed the one guy. Who was their sixth round pick to Ethan? Uh, deal? Yeah, Ethan, Ethan Samson. Samson. The goalie that they drafted, Kolosov, has been compared to like Shesterkin and Sorokin because he's lighting up the KHL and has like very similar numbers to them right now. Wonder if he'll be allowed to come over though, or if they'll send him off to the Arctic Circle to do his military service. Yeah. So that's yeah, like Fedotov. I think. I wonder if he even tries to come over here next year because I think he's he once he completes this whole thing with the military for the year he's like done yeah i don't know i doesn't he still have a contract with whatever khl team he's on i'm surprised that russia wasn't like oh we'll totally waive your military service if you just play for the khl this year yeah because like why yeah, i don't know how that works but i think like i think if he serves that 
time, he might be able to just leave. It should be interesting this um, year in the draft, seeing what happened to because like the Fedotov news came out after the draft last year, but now with like Russia's whole geopolitical thing going on, um, I wonder if like the teams are going to shy away from Russian players. Uh, not well, that's why like Ed Snyder. Yeah, that's style. why uh, I don't even know his first name, but Mitchkov, the like he's a very highly skilled winger that's in the draft this year is projected to go like. He's like the third highest ranked like prospect. Uh, he's like signed in the KHL for like three more years. So I wonder if like he'll fall. I mean, because, it's you know he's not going to come over for another three years. I guess. I thought there was some kind of agreement where like the KHL could get out of the players in the KHL could get out of their contracts if they were going to the NHL. But then I think the KHL was upset that they were losing so many players to the NHL. So now it's like a huge issue. And I don't know. Well, I think the I think the whole russia invasion thing like i think a lot of uh leagues like shut down like their dealings with the khl too i mean it makes sense also i don't know from the flyers perspective does ivan fedotov's contract still count in their yeah it counts in their total year, i think oh, okay well that seems kind of and they're up. down they're down to like 49 contracts i think right now I think I looked the other day on Cap Friendly, so they could add someone. Yeah, right, because they were at the limit for a while, and uh, that's when uh, Eli Tolvanen went on waivers, and everybody was like, oh, right the wrong, pick him up. <laughs> and <laughs> everybody was like... He is playing very well. <laughs> well, in, yeah. uh, well and even look at, David Poyle was like, I think I messed this one up. Look at how well that worked for Kiefer Bellows, who I think the the last I heard from him, the Flyers sent him... Put him on waivers to send him down, but now he's, he's like just the, floating in obscurity. Forward. Yeah, yeah, he's just an extra forward that sits in the press box every night. Yeah, he cleared waivers and could go down, but he's just not playing. Yeah, so that's cool. I'm glad they're getting the. <laughs> I'm glad they're working him out. Um, well, they righted that wrong, so they couldn't write the Eli Tolvin in one. Yeah, I just don't so see how everybody wanted Kiefer Bellows instead of German Rubstov. I mean, that's a fair, uh, looking back at it, I feel like even then everybody was like, I don't know about this rubs off guy. What this well, guy he was like, who's named Queefer. He was highly ranked. He like dropped a bunch of things because of the Russia doping thing that happened. Yeah, and it turned, what, what happened? It turned out steroids were the things <laughs> making him good. Turns out his steroids degenerated both of the shoulders. Turns out if he could have kept doing HGH and horse hormones, he would have been fine. Yeah, I don't know. I, I just hate looking back at drafts because it's like such a... I think it's depressing for Flyers. I hate looking back at it because I don't know any, like, you know, what what their projections were like. Like, I don't know any of that stuff. I just go, you just go back and like, oh my God, the Flyers could have drafted this guy, but it's like, so could have... 15 other teams oh yeah i think it's just depressing looking at like what they could have gotten and what they picked because like you know we did what seven years of draft coverage with the broad street bully and like those first couple years i watched so much film i read all the reports we sat down and i was like oh yeah this guy is a 6-3 prospect weighs in at 180 pounds uh, has a sick backhand and you're like by the fifth year, we were like, I don't know. He's probably going to be bad. I mean, statistically speaking, not everybody makes it to the <laughs> NHL. So, like, by, the, by the fifth year, we were like, I just want the Flyers <laughs> to draft Peyton Krebs so I can call him Mr. Krebs. <laughs> yeah. 
But yeah, I mean, or, it's... Uh, Kale, what was it Kale Clegg? Because I wanted to call him Corporal Clegg. Everybody, like, uh, they watch a YouTube clip of, like, a guy skating through, uh, like, 15-year-olds, and they're like, this guy is the greatest hockey player ever. He's going to revolutionize <laughs> the sport. And then he's like, it's like Scott Lawton before he retooled his game to become, like, the aggressive forward. It was just a guy who was supposed to be good and stinks. Yeah. It's just, I, yeah, I don't, it's just, I don't know. It's really hard to, to do that. It's just, uh, and it's, I but know. it is like, you know, I, I do get that. It's just like the, when the flyers miss, they freaking miss. Yeah. I was going to say like the flyers misses were not like, Oh, you, you could have had like a third line player and you drafted a fourth line player. It was like, you could have had Kale McCarr and you took Nolan Patrick. Even <laughs> like the one that bugged me was, uh, when they took, freaking sam moran instead of ryan pulak oh uh, right because sam moran is a big body yeah like for some reason they drafted him like oh he's gonna be the next chris pronger it's like what yeah his scouting report was like tall and beefy but has the coordination of a baby giraffe yeah tall and beefy is a project pick <laughs> he looks like a deer trying to walk on ice and then he blew out both of his knees yeah, meanwhile, Ryan Pulak was like a right-handed defenseman, could shoot the puck like 100 fucking miles an hour. I was like, draft this dude. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Well, now we have our own Ryan Pulak and Nick Steeler, so that's great. Yeah. They have Rasmus Ristolainen, who was taken like three picks before Sam Moran, so I guess that rights are wrong. Yeah, sure. That's one way to look at it. <laughs> He has been playing better defense. He though, really has. So according to the he has, and I, I feel like it makes people angry. But like, I think that Tortorella finally imparted on him, like, stop going for the hit and start going to break up the play. And he's been yeah, like how much markedly better. How much of that do you think was like coaching, like, like, uh, like coaches telling him to just like you know do what he's doing and not really like clear the front of the net and not worry about anything else basically i don't even know if it was coaching i don't think he had a cons- from what it sounds like he didn't have a consistent message in buffalo uh because they hired well, a new coach I mean. every year like yeah but i think that tortorella was a, i mean tortorella's seen it tortorella's uh, put together winning teams with nothing so if he was just like yeah. hey guy let's try this you don't really break up plays when you hit people so just stop hitting people and Ristolainen was yeah, like, like he, this is a bold idea, and I'm here for it. Yeah, he's still uh, still overpaid, but is a passable second, third-pairing defenseman right now. Yes, he's looked a lot better, and I, that's going to make yeah. – I don't I don't have his stat card or his uh, Corsi or heat maps, but he's been playing yeah, his, eye test better for a while. His wins above replacement – I mean, it's, listen, you have, Provorov is like, whatever, everybody hates him and we're tired of him, and then there's... Well, Provorov is getting traded now, so this, what brings me back to what we talked about last week, Provorov's probably going to get traded, whether or not, like, all the stuff that he did on Pride Night affects what comes back, like, they have so much money wrapped up in their, their blue line that now you have to move one of them, and you're not going to move Sanheim unless you get blown away by some sort of offer because you just signed like an eight-year contract. I don't think you can move So Sanheim then you because everybody is going to be you like... What, you move... Everyone's going to be like, hey, he signed for well, eight more I, years after this and he's not that good. 
It depends. I mean, it depends on, you know, like there's people saying that like they're, you know, they might try to move him, but like, you know, obviously it depends on where and what team and whatnot and what you get back. But regardless, the, so you're going to, what you have Sanheim playing, you're going to move Provorov, get whatever you back for Provorov, whether it's prospect forward, Ryan Suter. apparently they want, apparently they want a forward who is like, uh, a highly touted center or uh, like winger or whatever, Which even though they have enough wingers. Makes sense. It fills an organizational need. Yeah, it fills an organizational need and then creates a whole new organizational need. So then you move, what, Sanheim up to the first pair, Cam York to the second pair maybe? Yeah, and then you, uh, you either, I guess, f- try to free agency dip somebody or you just tell Igor Zamula it's time. Yeah, I don't know if you've looked at the defense market going into the offseason, but it is not good. I, so. ha- I have not. But the good news is uh, before last Friday, uh, everybody was angry at Ivan Provorov and his jersey antics, and they were saying, People don't forget. But the good news is the Rangers did Pride Night on the 27th, and they celebrated by not doing rainbow jerseys or rainbow tape and didn't even tell the players they weren't going to do it. <laughs> So the players showed oh, that's up. That's interesting. Yeah, I was reading an article. The players showed up for warmups, and it was like the Lady Liberty jersey hanging in the lockers, and like I, the player on the anonymity, like under the guise of anonymity, was like nobody told us anything. I thought we were going to be wearing the rainbow jerseys, and we just wore our regular jerseys. And like they still had like Pride Night, but they, I guess it was just like acknowledged during stoppages. There was no like auction off of the jerseys and tape. So. Uh, now everybody's super angry at the Rangers, which takes the heat off Provorov. Uh, now, Provorov is still a dick, of course. But mm-hmm. since the news cycles happen so quickly, maybe everybody will forget about what Provorov did by the trade deadline, and then we can get rid of him and not have to deal with him anymore. I still think that as soon as they trade him, wherever he goes, he's going to like be oh, good. Yes, it'll be the Chris Pronger to the Ducks trade <laughs> that unlocks his full potential. <laughs> And, and he's just going to become like the, the everybody will be like, wow, the Russian Bobby Orr. <laughs> well, Chris Pronger was always pretty good. Oh, I know. But he like when he went to Anaheim, he like elevated his play. And then him and Scott Niedermeyer were just fucking monsters together. Well, that pairing was insane. But even when he was on like he was by far like the best defenseman on the Oilers when they went to the cup that one year. Oh, I forgot he was on. I thought he was on the. Uh, he was he's inducted into like the Blues Hall of Fame. I don't even think they went very far in the playoffs with him. That's how good he was. Um, yeah, I forget. I always forget how his tenure was with the Blues, but I know that they traded him to Edmonton and then Edmonton went to the Cup against the Carolina that one year. He was like their best defenseman. I mean, remember he won I think he won when did he win the um Hart Trophy? Might have won it with Edmonton. Uh, bu- bu- bu. The Oilers lost in Game 7 with Pronger scoring a team-high 21 points in 24 games, as well as a team-leading plus-minus of plus 10. Dude, that's ridiculous. And then that summer, he requested a trade due to personal reasons because his wife hated Edmonton. <laughs> yeah, he started off with like the Whalers, too, which is really funny. Yes, Hartford. So he was uh Oh, wow. I didn't know this. Uh, however, he was one of the multiple whalers that season with off-ice issues, being one of six players arrested for a barroom brawl in Buffalo, 
and then being arrested for drunk driving in Ohio three days later. Hmm. How about he, that? He won the heart when he was on the Blues. They had a. They pretty much made the playoffs every year he was there, but they did it. They. I don't think they ever got to the Stanley Cup. Late in his first season was when the Blues traded for Gretzky. I forgot Gretzky was on the Blues. Was that before yeah, or after was, he went to I the Rangers? That, too. that was before. Uh, that, that, there's a picture of Gretzky wearing like the St. Louis jerseys where it's like the trumpet and the jazz notes. Those are good, uh, yeah. those are good throwbacks. I wonder if St. Louis is going to do those cool throwbacks for when they... Uh, his Flyers uh, career section on Wikipedia is very long, and then it just ends with the freak eye incident. Yeah. Oh, fuck. Dude, if you ever listen to him talk about what happened with all that, it is ridiculous. I remember reading that, like, he was having just post-concussion syndromes or something along those lines. And he was like, I would just, it was like him and Keith Primo were talking about it. Like, we would just sit in a dark room and be nauseous and, like, just cry because we were like, our lives were ruined. Dude, you have to hear him talk about, like, playing, though. And, like, I forget if it was... Because what, what killed it was he got, like, boarded into the – he got boarded by, like, um, Martin Hansel. Like, I think that was what what started the whole concussion problems. But, like, the eye injury didn't help. But he said that he shouldn't have been playing, I think, when he started playing again because he was, like – he's like, I was having problems, like, you know, concentrating and, like, seeing. <laughs> and he's like, and I knew it wasn't just from the eye injury. He's like, I shouldn't have been playing. No. So it turns out there's one thing consistent about the Flyers medical staff, and that's that it's that's that it's bad. It's not great. Yeah. Dude, uh, he made the playoffs every year except for three years. And one of them he was it was when he was hurt. I mean, we talked about this last year. before, but like watching him play, he could log so many minutes because he never had to skate. Yeah, he just He would just take stride. Yeah. He would take like two strides and be where he needed to be. He was always in perfect position. And he was big and mean, so like people shied away from him. He's just one hell of a hockey player, and it's just unfortunate how his career here ended. Yeah, he's that's like one. There's only like three jerseys that I want to get. That one of them is the Pronger jersey, another one's a Windross jersey, and I don't know. I don't know what else the other one is. Maybe a Coots jersey, but we'll see if he ever plays again or not. Oh no, Coots is probably done. He'll just do the Mike Rathje sit on IR for the rest of his career. See that's gonna see that causes a huge problem too, like especially if there's gonna be the hard cap moving forward and uh, you you know you're still gonna have to deal with LTIR. That means you have like the next six years more than will that. Be, well, no, for Ellison, him, oh, yeah. it's going to be 14 mil in LTIR that you can't do anything with until the season starts. Yeah, I feel like everybody is like, no, we'll just put him on long-term IR. But like the nuance is that you have to be cap-compliant when the season starts, and then you put yeah, them so you on can't... long-term IR. Yeah, exactly. So, so you're screwed. So you're not going to be able to sign any cool free agents because you don't have the room to do it until the season starts. And by that point, your only choice is going to be Artem Anisimov, and he's just going to end up playing on the Phantoms uh, and never... Come to the Flyers. And never get called yeah. up. <laughs> so we're right back to where we were before Hextall got hired in Cap Heck as the Flyers yeah. do a bunch of boring. Like with the first year Ron Hextall got hired and everyone's like, let's do a free agency splash. And Ron Hextall's like, we'd like to announce that we've signed Dale Weiss to a four-year deal. <laughs> yeah, and then the year before it was like they signed freaking March Shright and Vincent LeCavalier. <laughs> 
who are like the two oldest people on the market. <laughs> ESPN's list of five free agents not to sign. Number one, yeah. Vinny Lucabile. Number two, <laughs> Number also two, Vinny Lucabile. <laughs> <laughs> Ron Hexall's like, Vinny, we'd like to sign you for three million. And he's like, that sounds and then Ron's like, four million. And Vinny's like, no, you could have stopped at three five million. No, that was that was Holmgren's debacle. Uh that was his last hurrah before he's just like, All right, I've had enough. Time to fail upwards. <laughs> give me yeah, a key. Promote me. Give me a key to the executive bathroom and my lunch badge. <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> need to swipe into the cafeteria. Yeah. Uh, I'll also be on the golf course 250 days out of 365. He's doing his best. <laughs> I mean, now looking at how the Hextall tenure turned out, Holmgren's not that bad, huh? Flyers had their worst season no, forever. Holmgren's, he went out, dumped a first-round pick. tenure was great. Dumped a first-round pick to get Tiemann and Hartnell and then re-signed both of them. Get the fuck out of here. That's a crazy yeah, move. Yeah, Holmgren's tenure was awesome because, it, like, yes, he did mortgage the future, like, every year, but... It was, you know, they were competitive. Right. Didn't they? They traded Forsberg for a first round pick to the Predators. And then they traded the Predators back that pick for Hartnell and Tiemann, pretty much. Yeah. It was like they traded the, I think it was like initially they traded Forsberg for like the first round pick, Ryan Parent. They could, they had a choice between Ryan Parent and Cody Franson. They took Parent. And then I think they sent a Scotty, uh, Scotty Upshaw too. And then after the Predators like failed in the playoffs, they wanted their first round pick back, and then they gave us the negotiating rights to Teeman and Hartnell. Teeman and Hartnell. And then, like, that signing set off. Like, the Flyers did a full rebuild in one year, basically. Yeah. Meanwhile, Can't do that now. Ron Hextall was on year four, and Chuck Fletcher is going into year four. <laughs> <laughs> Ron Hextall was like, We're going to be good enough to make the playoffs, but not go much further. And uh, anyway, here's JVR for another five years. Hey, you guys want a scoring winger? How about the guy we traded for Luke Shen? (laughs) (laughs) Got him straight up for for Luke Shen. Anyway, he's available now, so we're just going to bring him back into the fold. Yeah. Yeah, and it's not the best. I mean, Ron Hextall's time here. I defended the hell out of him, and then it ended. And so I was, did I, but... We made a huge where mistake. He did it, <laughs> where he did it the worst was when, uh, after they made the playoffs and took Pittsburgh to six games and lost, that summer he didn't do fucking anything. Yeah. That would have been the year to, like, add. I Well, so Ron Hextall, we talk, it's literally this episode. He's not very good at at making pulling the trigger on decisions so like i i don't know it's it's he's just i hate him i hate him because yeah. we could have had kale mccarr yep and we don't but on a lighter note no we don't jeff on a lighter note you know what this weekend is this sunday night is doyle uh the NFL playoffs. Uh, no, there is something much more important going on Sunday night, and that is the WWE well, Royal Rumble. <laughs> so I wanted to get your feeling, your thoughts and feelings. The uh, Bloodline, it's uh, Roman Reigns, the Usos, Sami Zayn, right? They're, the, the, they're thinking the storyline's going to be Roman Reigns 
asked Sami Zayn to win the Royal Rumble and then lay down his WrestleMania title shot as a result of winning in order to join the bloodline. But the thought is, is that Roman Reigns has been champion for like years now, literally years. The thought is Sammy's going to win and then dethrone him to wrap up the storyline, right? Bring it, bring it around town. And I just wanted to get your thoughts and if you think that's a, a good ending. I don't know any of this. I haven't paid attention to wrestling since the Attitude Era. Listen, if you just... <laughs> so, Rawls, uh, Rawls' 30th anniversary um, uh-huh. was in Philly last Monday. Yeah, I saw X-Pac came out. Yes. Uh, DX was there, which is wild because uh, most of DX now works for WWE corporate in some manner. Triple H <laughs> is like the chief of like uh, talent development. I think Shawn Michaels is like somebody in the front office and like road dogs there the only person who wasn't there was billy gunn because billy gunn's wrestling and uh aew with his like weird scissor gimmick his shirt says like scissor me daddy it's fucking it's weird uh so yeah they're like they like run wwe now and it's just wild that like they were the guys who were like suck it and painting head wwe headquarters with a huge dx and like we're anti-establishment but uh yeah I think we can end on this too. By the way, uh, Joel Embiid uh, was that Tuesday night? I think. Uh, yeah, he's he's a huge DX guy. He's a huge wrestling guy in general. Uh, threw up the suck it alert after <laughs> a play, and I I think it was just like who what, Kevin Durant I think went after him and was like this is classless. Or... Gets the bounce and one, and letting the crowd know that he's excited <laughs> about that basket. They didn't take. <laughs> yeah, he. Uh, well, they brought out Triple H to ring the bell before one of the playoff games a couple years ago. I didn't know that. That's awesome. And yeah, because he was doing that. Like, so the, the response. That's why the response to that is great. Like, he does. Like, he's all into the DX stuff. And then, yeah, Kevin Durant was like, "That was a trash celebration <laughs> by Embiid." And then he came back with the suck it and had like. <laughs> He had, like, the DX, like, entrance spliced with, like, cut up with a bunch of clips of him doing, like, the suck it thing, like, a hundred times. I thought it was great. Uh, it's, yeah. And then apparently he got fined for it. Oh, did he? He got fined, like, 25 grand for doing that. Ah, well, you know what he had to say about that? And if you're not done with that, Philly's got two words for you! <laughs> It is wild that we were like, I don't know, eight and nine running around <laughs> doing the crotch chops and yelling suck it. Yeah. It's like, did you know that suck it refers to your penis? <laughs> A bunch of eight-year-olds telling you to blow them. Like, what? Uh, wrestling was yeah. awesome. Remember when it was real? We didn't know it was fake. It's still real to me, damn it. Yeah, you just watch it now, and you're like, why would those guys just sit in the back while this is happening? I'd be angry if my workplace was treating me this unfairly. I would do something about it. Maybe file an anonymous whistleblower claim or talk to OSHA. I want to do a hardcore match. Those are very unsafe. Yeah, that's... uh, I'm trying to think, like, what, what the last, like... I mean, I tried to watch, like, you know the undertaker's last uh was it survivor series 
his last match, I think, was at WrestleMania when he lost to... No, maybe it wasn't. Oh, that's what it was. It was. Yeah, because he was undefeated at WrestleMania. And then right? he lost to Brock Lesnar and everybody, like, freaked out. And I think it was The Undertaker who was like, the streak had to end at some time. Like, I can't keep wrestling yeah. forever. I'm, like, 65. <laughs> yeah, I'm, like, 65. I can't really move anymore. Well, like, he got hip surgery. So he was at Raw 30, and he came out uh, not as the Undertaker Undertaker, but as the American Badass Undertaker. Um, oh, but, my God. That's the worst Undertaker. Yeah, and, like, the music, like the Undertaker's bells hit, and then instead of rolling, they used American Badass by Kid Rock, and everybody oh in the audience God. was like, who, who, the, who the fuck is this? And then he came out, and they were like, oh, my God, this is amazing. It's but, like, nobody knew who was The Undertaker. And then he kept, I guess, whatever motorcycle they rented for him to do, like, the drive around the ring. He wasn't used to, so, like, he couldn't start it, and he couldn't get it going. And he was having so many motorcycle problems that, like, when he was leaving, you could see a guy sitting in the front row, like, lean over and point to something and, like, tell The Undertaker, like, what to do so the bike would get started. Oh, my God. And then the camera cut away real fast. But he's like 65. He he like lumbered into the ring. And then like he I I didn't I thought they were going to at least let him do like a tombstone or but like he didn't even try to wrestle. So like I think that he's just like completely done with any in-ring work at all. Like he's just going to show up places and be like, ah, I had a WrestleMania streak. Boo. And then go home, like take his money and go home. His. His intro as the original Undertaker is like his walkout music is like the best walkout music. Yeah, just the bell. It was terrible. And then you'd have like the blackout. Yeah, it was just terrifying. Like the... Yeah. And then he went away for a while and came back, and you're like, why is he a dirty <laughs> white trash Joe Dirt? <laughs> like... Yeah, what is going on here? I hated. I hated American Bad or whatever his fucking thing was. Yeah, it was a uh, American Badass or whatever. Biker Undertaker. Yeah, it was fucking Yeah, dumb. Biker Undertaker. He stunk. Yeah, the last ride was cool, though. Everybody was like... like I am fo- I, my favorite memes now that keep coming up on my Instagram, because I just keep watching them, are all these videos of, like... One of them's, like, out of context, Ric Flair. From what? And then... Was it just uh, him in interviews? Yeah, it's just him in interviews, and people, like, meme it, so uh, put, like, a caption over Ric it. Ric Flair, I mean, we've talked about the car shield commercials... Um, Ric Flair has never met a chance to make money that he didn't like because he has like seven ex-wives. But they need to stop let him talking and things because he's uh, clearly losing his marbles. <laughs> yeah, he is. Uh, he's um, very old now. Yes, and the repeated like he wrestled when you could just like open chair shots to the head. And everybody was like, oh, that looks like it hurt. And then doctors were like, this is how you get CTE. Yeah. You have 55 concussions. Yes, exactly. And now Ric Flair is like, this is a, and then I, it's my car and then car shield. And then to Travis Sanheim's like, if you want to protect your car from next, next slide, please. Car shield. You will sign up today. And then Ric Flair's like, woo! 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 <laughs> the other one that I like too is like, it's kind of like a Macho Man one where they take Macho Man videos and like turn them into memes. Ooh, yeah, brother. Yeah. One of my favorite ones was, uh, I'm trying to find it. It was like something about when uh, it's like, 
my wife asking me to like get groceries or something like that and it's like me saying like i'm not gonna do it because you're gonna i'm gonna mess up and you're gonna scream at me and then it's just like her saying stop being dramatic and then it's like the macho man video and he's like also don't buy unripe bananas or you won't live to eat them <laughs> randy savage was a true talent in an era where it was just dudes doing steroids like you know <laughs> although yeah he's like his if the videos of him too is like his blood pressure he was probably like in stroke territory uh, through like all of the videos his blood pressure probably so high he was probably so coked up for everything he did that it didn't even matter yeah like oh, just steroids and cocaine that was wrestling in the 80s <laughs> this is now they're all like, I'll send you Eddie Guerrero's heart exploded. And they're like, oh, steroids might be bad for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it didn't. And it shouldn't have taken Eddie Guerrero's heart. exploded. Yeah. I think we've had enough evidence on Chris Benoit uh... kills his whole family. And they're like, maybe we should rethink this steroid stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Although that Chris Benoit thing, they like WWE like wrote him out of history. And like, did they really? Yeah, they like took him out. <laughs> They like removed him from all the video packages and like they just don't talk about him anymore because like I guess the fi the fine line is like you when you snap and kill your family and then hang yourself in your house. Yeah, I mean that's pretty bad. Yeah, but uh there was like a documentary about that that I always wanted to watch but never got around to it. Um I it, there's like dark side of the ring I think. Uh, it's just like a vice thing or something, but they do a lot of the WWE stuff and they cover like just the wild careers. Like if you look at like Jake, the snake was almost dead pretty much uh, like post wrestling and like is DDP actually a uh, diamond Dallas page mm -hmm. did his, like a uh, came up with like DDP yoga. And now all the ex wrestlers are like is what Jake, the snake did. Like all the ex wrestlers are doing DDP yoga and like getting back in shape and like not dying. And DDP is like mm -hmm. this. Yeah, he's like, like dude, saving they, everybody. <laughs> they did a 30 for 30 on Scott Hall at one point and how just like messed up he was. Uh, yeah, Razor like, Ramon. I think he got, he got, yeah, he got cleaned up at one point, but then like was, I think he, he cleaned up later on, but like this was like when he was like going through it when he was older too and would like show up to like matches and like could barely move. Well, I mean, he did love drugs. I feel like even Kevin yes, Nash was like, you love drugs too much, dude. You got to stop. And Scott Hall was like, don't was tell like me how to live my room. life. <laughs> hey, yo. Oh, uh, Scott Hall. Razor Ramon. The old Razor's Edge, huh? Yeah, that was a good one. Well. Dude, that early, like, dude, the late 90s, early 2000s wrestling was the best. Um. Yes. I started watching, like, I don't know, 99, and then I think I tapered off around, like, 2004. Like, right before John Cena hit with, like, his Doctor yeah, of Thugonomics, same. where he was yeah, the white rapper that nobody talks about now because cultural appropriation is a really huge issue. My favorite, one of my favorite dudes was, uh, <laughs> what is that, Gold Dust? <laughs> oh, Dustin Rhodes, yeah. yeah. Gold Dust was so ridiculous. Gold Dust was great, and then so I got back into wrestling probably like for like a year or two when Daniel Bryan was making his run 
um, and was like fighting. There was one point where Gold Dust was like the freaking champ for like a pretty long time. Well, I was like, I can't believe this is happening. So, right now. so I got back into wrestling like I don't know, eleven or twelve, when Daniel Bryan made his run and beat Triple H and Batista to become champion at WrestleMania. But uh, so Batista. one of the side things that was going on was that Cody Rhodes was Cody Rhodes was um, Stardust. So there was Gold Dust, who was who would wear like his gold and black, and then Stardust mm-hmm. was like white and black. And they were like they would wrestle together as like a tag team. And Cody would paint his face like Gold Dust, but with different. And then Gold like Dustin would paint his face. And then they would they were like a team and they wrestled together. And I was like, this is the dumbest shit I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, my favorite. Do you remember the Bushwhackers? Yeah. Oh yeah, that was like my favorite. Uh, the the my favorite freaking tag team to watch. The Bushwhackers. I think it was so ridiculous. I mean the ultimate the the ultimate warrior and uh, was George the Animal Steel they they came out for like Raw twenty and uh, they were like yelling and shaking the ropes and then like the Ultimate Warrior died like four days later <laughs> it was something <laughs> stupid like uh, he made it to that and then his heart just gave out but yeah I don't now Cody Rhodes has like a stupid neck tattoo and I think he still wrestles in WWE he was big in AEW for a while. But he has a. Oh, so he's. I. I didn't know he was huge. He has a real dumb neck tattoo that uh, you're like, why would you do that? Yeah. Yeah, the Bushwhackers' entrance and how they would walk around the ring was like the funniest thing when I was five years old. That's his neck tattoo. Oh God. Yeah, it's 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 a lot. Uh, and like his his wife is. I've seen interviews where she's just like, eh, no comments. I don't don't really. I don't know, man. Yeah, for everybody that can't see what Jeff's pulling up, it's a stupid tattoo. Yeah. Uh, you have to look at it yourself. Now I'm trying to get the, the Bushwhackers theme to play us out. <laughs> Why? There's, it's so hard to find wrestling theme music now. All right, here we go. The World Wrestling Federation. For over 50 years, the revolutionary force in sports entertainment. I feel like there's a lot of intro here I didn't want. Yeah. We're going to go out the only way I know how. Thank you for listening to episode five of the MP podcast. We'll be back next week. Enjoy your week and remember only seven more games until Chuck Fletcher's heated seats are on low and the Flyers. Yeah, we got the All Star break coming up, so we'll definitely <laughs> not have anything to talk about. So there will be probably more of this wrestling talk that was going on for the last like 20 well, minutes. We'll have to break down the Rumble next week, everybody. Look forward yeah, to that. that. That's all Jeff's territory. It was such a stupid character. He just walked around with a fucking two by four. (laughs) Axe all Jim Duggan. I love how every episode because wrestling is awesome. Now that we're older and farther removed to how great wrestling is, we grew up in a great time. Yeah, I mean, you know, I still think Stone Cold is one of the most polarizing. Uh, Sure. Now, surprisingly, Stone Cold was not at Raw 30. So does he hate the WWE? I don't know.
Once the glass breaks, that's that's all you need. Yeah. All right, it's real this time. We're done, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can sit here, listen to wrestling themes all day. Yeah. It's okay. But <laughs> Catch us next week. Make sure you leave us a review, a five-star rating, anything that will help us out. Latest on the men, Jay. This has been another episode of the M&P Podcast. Thank you for listening. Remember to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Well, see you later.